Jim Harbaugh will take a knee for the first three injuries in the backfield for Washington as they get ready for a huge season. And it is week zero. Picks, picks, picks. This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, August 25th. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel with you and pleased to be joined as we will be weekly on the College Game Day podcast by the great Stanford Steve, who's also going to be with us on game day on the road every week. Steve, your, your plate is full these days. In addition to trying to save Stanford football, uh, your career, meanwhile, is, is on a rocket ship to the moon right now. Well, this is good because this is going to be one of my first things in the week. So I'm, I'm a big appetizer guy, as you can see, Reese. So <laughs> this will be a good appetizer every week before we get to the main course and we build up to that five-course meal for sure. I, he's talking meals, Pete. I think he's familiar with the race for the ribeye uh, concept. And you can't come on this podcast if you have some type of unhealthy aversion to uh, consuming copious amounts of red meat, which I believe in. I think it's good for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I was wondering if we do a rankings of, of places we go to as the season goes. That's a great idea. Let's... I'm all in on that. I, okay. I'll even drink milk like Jim Harbaugh to keep in the Oof. spirit of it with my steak. Probably not. You, <laughs> you know, Harbaugh, as we've all seen, drank a whole lot of milk. A wholesome, wholesome young man growing up enhanced his uh, growth, he believes, and still believes in the virtues of milk. And perhaps he'll enjoy a nice cold milk during the first three games while while he sits out a self-imposed three-game ban stemming from the dispute that he has with the NCAA over alleged violations during the lockdowns and whether you could do um, various recruiting visits. I, I don't. Jim does not strike me as the type of guy who is going to just uh, waltz in there and, and admit to something that he does not believe he did. Can't get inside his mind. Don't know if he believes he did anything wrong or not, but clearly they're at odds. So what do you make of this self-imposed three-game ban to start the season, which is basically Michigan's uh, exhibition schedule? So I think two things are interesting here spinning this forward. Uh, Well, he can still coach practice, so this really doesn't matter for this season, right? The, the, The team will be shaped. He just won't be there to call inside zone on game day or tell them to call inside zone on game day or whatever it is, right? He doesn't call the plays. But, like, he, he won't actually be on the headset orchestrating it, but it's going to look and feel very similar because of his practice component. That my, my interest in this is twofold. One, does the NFL become more attractive because inherently this portends he's going to have to sit out early next season? And then, two, they play Texas in the big house week two, next year, which is essentially next. And I haven't looked at the 24 schedule this close, but I believe that's probably the Alabama, Texas of next season, right? Mm -hmm. Michigan, Texas, two big brands, two big stadiums. Uh, So you would think if if the four game got rejected by the committee on infractions, you would think he may be facing more than that, which would mean he'd have to miss. They open with Fresno and then he'd miss week two. So instead of sort of suffering through an infractions process, does he, jump in an NFL job, maybe. He obviously interviewed deep the last two years at Minnesota, which was on signing day. And then he was in deep with the with the Broncos last year and almost took it. So does he just say, forget this mess, I'm out? I think those are the two two variables that I'm interested in most going forward. here. Steve, what's your gut on that? You obviously are uh, really familiar with Jim from over the years. Yeah. Um, I, I just think people 
want to take this and run with it, right? As Pete was talking about, everybody's going to talk about the future. What does it mean moving forward? And I think to Michigan's credit, they are doing this knowing what has happened the last couple postseasons. With it, there's even words that it was happening in season uh, last year after the Big Ten title game and, and even the Colts that I heard. So I, I think it's both teams bracing for the future. Uh, I know, you know, he's talked about how much he loves this team going into this year. But when you talk about, you know, Bruce Feldman and, and Jim Nagy talking about this roster and possible record number of picks on this team, this is going to be a totally different looking team uh, next year. So I think it's both sides just trying to, you know, cover their butts looking towards the future. Uh, but I do feel like, you know, everyone making a mockery of this beginning of the schedule, and we all know that the game with UCLA was canceled uh, and, and thus this easy three-game stretch. But I think this – I think he's trying to build his team up not to get ahead of themselves, knowing that they still have plenty to prove, and he wants them to be sharp coming out of the gates, which I think they totally should be. Uh, so, again, I think it's just both, both sides uh, covering their butts for the future. If ever there is a human being on the planet – who coaches football, who will seize on a cause to create a us versus everybody and you're one of us and I'm one of you and we're going to show everybody it is James Harbaugh. (laughs) And he will – I think Michigan is – look, all of this stuff gets overblown. I I want to keep a running count this season on college game day of number of teams who have chips on their shoulders, whatever that's supposed to mean. You run out of shoulders. Yeah, you yeah you run out <laughs> real fast. However, any little thing over the course of a long season, especially if maybe your players might be distracted by lack of competition in the early going, um, if they might be distracted by guys like oh, I don't know, who voted in the AP poll, who have been preseason number one, uh, if they were ever distracted by outside influences, he will seize on this kind of thing to get them back right mentally. I think Michigan's going to have a huge year, and I think this will be a a blip on the radar, but I do think the the future thing has a lot of merit because there's still unfinished business for him there. So close to winning a Super Bowl. Um, you know, he certainly restored Michigan to glory, uh, regardless of what has happened in the playoff and what might happen this year, should they make it again. He's restored Michigan. And so that part of the battle has been won. And now perhaps uh, given given the consternation involved over this NCAA thing, it might uh, end of the season. If the opportunity presents itself, I don't think it's far-fetched to think that that would be an issue. Just a couple of news items before we start uh, making picks. Uh, We know that Washington has some questions in the offensive line. We know they do not have questions at quarterback and at wide receiver, but now they lose Cam Davis uh, for the season. Kalen DeBoer announced on Tuesday. How big a deal is that uh, for Washington as they settle in with that offensive line and really try to get the passing game going, Pete? I mean, I think it's 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 pretty significant. You obviously just can't roll with one back in college football, and I can't claim to know like the the, the their running back depth chart beyond that. But to have a solid number two is a huge asset uh, for for a program. A, a guy can come in on third down. A guy can spell your starter. So, yeah, that's something. Especially considering the the questions looming over their offensive line, I think you have to be a little bit concerned with if you're uh, if you're a Washington fan. That's that 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 is. It, it's just a, it's a tough blow this early in the year. Yeah, I hope they can figure that out because it'll be 
it would be a lot of fun for them to be in contention, uh, to be fighting with USC for the Pac-12 championship, to be looking for a playoff berth, for Oregon to be in the mix as well. Um, you know, I don't think this is debilitating by any stretch of the imagination, but you want to have some balance. And they also they also need to make sure that they protect Michael Penix, who has had a history of injury problems from not being well protected uh, from his days at Indiana. Would you concur with that, Steve? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but I also look at DeBoer being the reason. Penix was so good, and that that comes in with – I thought that offensive line played above what I was expecting, I know, last year, and that was the main reason. I mean, you, you get any quarterback. They know, they know they're not going to get touched. They're going to be a hell of a lot better uh, than they know if they have – you know, they're looking over both shoulders as they drop back. But I, I think the world of DeBoer, I, like I said, I think – I don't think it's a blip. It's going to be a, a – um, you know, a transition for sure. And I think they have a sneaky, you know, competitive game week one with Boise State coming in with a veteran quarterback. Uh, so that they got to be ready to go, but that offense will be rearing to go. I also think, you know, with a, with an elite pass rusher, that defense will go. Being back in my day and, and playing in that, that's the loudest place I've ever been. Uh, wow. Actually, uh, probably helped that Marcus Tuiasasopo set a record for rushing yards and passing yards in the same game against us. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to bring up harsh memories, but no, Husky Stadium will be rocking this year. And uh, – they should have huge things. I mean, the expectations are there. Now you got to go meet them. That's what every that's what you want for your football program, right? And that is a great, great fan base. There, there's a little evil in them, and mm-hmm. you don't see it a lot because they like to be on top. So we'll we'll see what the dogs bring to the table. But high expectations for sure is what you want. Uh, it's one of the has this time of this year. Yeah, it, it's one of the ten least experienced offensive lines in college football. But as we've pointed out, because Pete and I have beaten that horse to death in the offseason about how much experience various offensive lines have, whenever mm-hmm. we say that, I only bring it up to say that you are uncertain about continuity and communication. It by no means uh, implies that you are putting untalented people in those Correct. positions. It just means that is an area that bears watching in the early going because you don't know how they'll work together, how they'll communicate, and you know, and you, it also makes you question depth. Uh, Steve, I understand that you're hesitant as we are here in week zero and we're going to make picks, that you're hesitant about making definitive picks before the last minute on college game day, yet Yet you throw out there immediately, or at least you give the implication that you might like Boise State in week one. That's so far down the road. How do you balance these two perspectives before we start making week zero picks? I just keep, you know, tabs in my head, Reese, about what people are saying and feeling about certain teams. And then I look at those opponents week one and I just keep it in the back of my head. You know, I I just know what Boise State has coming back. I know how much, I, I can't believe. How many people are picking Washington to win the uh, Pac-12? That that's a surprise. So I'm, I mean, look, we have all these you know favorite uh, things that we love, and the easiest thing to do is talk about a team that has a coach coming back and a quarterback coming back, and that's everybody's favorite thing to talk about because they have something right going into the next season. Um, and Washington definitely fits that build. So I still am surprised about it. I'm not there yet because uh, again, you mentioned offensive line. 
that's it. That let's Michigan State's going to be a better team than they were last year. Let's let's promise people that. And going to East Lansing is not going to be easy. Also, a couple weeks later, so um, a lot of proving to do. And you know, I might have taken a look at the number and just said that's a lot of points <laughs> to be. What is the, what is the number? What you think? I think it's over around seventeen. Ooh, that is. Well, you are you are joining a podcast that is uh, that are charter members of the Talon Green Fan Club, the Boise quarterback, who's a big big old horse from Texas, uh, and is hard to drag down, explosive with his legs, and the kind of guy that can make third and four disappear, um, which you have to do on the road amid that crowd that you uh, that you mentioned. Hey, Taylor, as our producer, can you get control of your people there? If I were sitting on the desk, I'd be giving them the nonverbals. You you fellas are getting ahead of yourselves here. We've got a whole slate of week zero games here, and they're breaking <laughs> yes, down do. Boise State, Washington. That just shows. Doesn't that just show the hunger and the passion uh, for or the lack of discipline? This is an undisciplined yeah, podcast. I was going to say yeah. we got yeah. we got to buckle it up here. This is not even week zero yet. We got to tighten it up. No, but, Steve, the unofficial uh, <laughs> subtitle of this podcast is talkative and undisciplined. Mm. They, they keep they send us all of these notes. Hey, can you guys can you guys keep the pod like maybe around fifty minutes or something like that? And we go, yeah, that's a great idea. And then we look up and it's an hour and eight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the way it goes. I, I've Been spent my enti- times. I've spent my entire career listening to producers complain about time, and you got to get me out of this segment. And now you know you don't really have to on a podcast, which is great. But we really should be a little more disciplined with week zero. Uh, in the offing, and I wouldn't say that there are a ton of high-profile games, but that is certainly not going to stop us from picking them against the number, which is not any type of violation since none of us play for Iowa or Iowa State, and I probably shouldn't make that joke, but I just did mm. too late. All right, Taylor, what do you what do you got? What do you got with some picks here? Give us the give us the pick, give us the number, and give us the order of who you'd like to make the selection. All right, fellas, this is the race for the ribeye. The stakes are stakes. It's week zero. And Pete, I got to say, if you win this contest, you need to hold your uh, your co-hosts accountable to get your stake because Bill Connolly won last season. I don't believe he's cashed in on his stake yet. So just no, just uh, there's a know. plan. There's a plan to oh. find the finest establishment in Columbia, Missouri. And Reese and uh-huh. I are going to get him a nice gift certificate. The three of us were just not united in the same place, but we will pay our debts. OK, yes. we will pay our debts, especially now that we have a gambling connoisseur on the podcast. He probably knows people who. <laughs> can break knees with lead pipes. <laughs> so we're going to make sure all debts are smooth and paid. Are, are okay. we going to get in trouble on this podcast? Because when Ryan McGee sat in for you, he he made some reference to UMass basketball coach Frank Martin and the mob. It was, <laughs> it was in jest. Obviously, I want to say to keep us out of any legal hot water. Now you're bringing up things like that. I don't, I don't want to run afoul of of anyone that's why we pay our debts we won't run afoul we will (laughs) there you go mafia jason podcast all right so for our first game here we've got navy and notre dame across the pond in dublin the most notable game on the slate notre dame a 21 point favorite let's go reese pete steve i think that historically navy has played Notre Dame tough. Uh, we we know the difficulties they've had. We've known, I think, uh, was it last year, the year before? Yeah, it was last year that Notre Dame seemingly had the game salted away and Navy came roaring back. If anyone understands how to defend that version of the triple option, it would probably be 
Notre Dame. They've seen it so often. I think Notre Dame is a ton better than Navy, but 21 is too much for me to lay in a game uh, in Europe, unfamiliar surroundings, working the kinks out, weak early start, um, you know, some, some changes certainly for Notre Dame. Uh, even though I think Sam Hartman's going to be very good, it's a different offense. I'm going to say that Navy loses the game decisively, but stays just inside the number. Well, I will, uh, I will agree with you on the Navy pick. I, I think this is going to be a fun game because you got new Navy coach, Brian Newberry. You have a new OC in Grant Chestnut and you have a kitchen sink mentality that they're going to come with, right? They are going to go there completely unafraid. And uh, it looks like they're going to start Ty Labatai, quarterback, who's a, mm-hmm. a veteran who started a bunch over the years there for Navy. He's maybe a more solid and consistent guy. They have some younger guys on the roster who have a little bit more juice. Um, so Navy is going to have a chance to come in and just – I don't think they're going to run the traditional triple with the with the new OC that they hired. I think it's just going to look a little different. Now, option football is really changing right now because you can't cut anymore. The, the schemes are all going to go. So Notre Dame's defense walks out on the field. They're going to be ready for – have to be ready for a completely different kind of offense. And that's scary. That can take you a couple series to settle in on and, and, and stop. And obviously, coming the other way, I think it's going to take Notre Dame's offense uh, – with, with the new coordinator, uh, Jared Parker, a little bit of time to settle in. Now, can Notre Dame eventually win this game by riding behind those tackles? Yes, absolutely. Um, but I do think with inexperience at receiver, they're going to run the ball. I don't know what the over-under is, but the under, I think, would be a pretty good bet on this game, just the, with with some of the inexperience and kinks that have to be laid out. You also remember, like, the last game in Europe was just grotesque, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't have to, have to do with travel or anything, but remember that Northwestern-Nebraska game? Yeah, it was. There just, were a lot of extenuating circumstances that contributed to that, at least on one side. Yes, but maybe I do both sides. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, but, maybe. But I do. But but I do think that. Uh, yeah, so I do think like Navy's going to make this a game and make it fun for three quarters. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot here to digest. I just I like not seeing Sam Hartman in that slow mesh role for Wake Forest. <laughs> like I just want to see it. Like I love the kid. I love what he's brought to the table. Uh, I also was at that game this past year, the Navy Notre Dame game here in Baltimore, and Navy just blitzed the bag in the second half, and Notre Dame just couldn't handle it. And then they got things rolling, and they caught themselves on their heels. Notre Dame sounds confident, finally getting some athleticism at receivers. That's the one thing I feel like is going to be the takeaway when we look at this. All eyes this week zero are on Sam Hartman in Notre Dame. He has a chance to be the face and do something this quarterback position hasn't been able to do in Notre Dame in a long time. He has that skill set. So I feel like they do have a lot of advantages at the skill positions. When you look on the perimeter where Navy's going to have undersized guys. And Pete, you mentioned a big thing to me, and, and it's the total in this game. I see 49 and a half. With these new rules, we already know what Navy and Army and Air Force do to games and how they shorten possessions and all that thing. This is a true test because I think Notre Dame wants to throw the ball all over the yard, but you mentioned the two tackles they have. They have an advantage in the run game. What does Navy do now that they had success uh, playing, you know, blitzing in that second half and getting back in that game? Uh, I will say 
when I think about the surfaces, I wonder, you know, thinking about last year and that grass and the pasture, mm. I did play in the old Notre Dame stadium. That's as bad as there's ever been in the history of college football uh, and had a lot to do with their success. But I'm with you guys. I think Navy, uh, with their style, with their play, they're not going to be afraid of anything. And I still think Notre Dame is going to have some – you know, working out the kinks uh, deals on offense and defense. You know, they have they, they have really two cor- good corners, which everybody wants to see against Ohio State in coming weeks. Uh, but that's not really an advantage against Navy. So uh, I, I will take Navy plus the points. So our listeners should load up on Notre Dame. That's like the correct. There. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and Justin, I think most people know this, but the new clock rules that Steve mentioned. Um, basically, the clock won't stop after first downs made in bounds, except in the final two minutes of of the first half and final two minutes of the game. The estimates <clears throat> estimates have been it might shave around a total of, you know, six, seven plays off a game. So we'll, uh, that'll be something worth monitoring. That's a great point to see just, yeah. just how much does it shave off in terms of number of plays run in the game. Taylor, what do you got? Ooh, we got a tight one, boys. UTEP, a one-point favorite on the road at Jacksonville State. That's at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go, Pete, Steve, Reese. My conviction in Jacksonville State to cover the minus one comes with a home game and an old hand on the sideline and Rich Rodriguez and a really old hand at quarterback and seventh-year starter Zion Webb. I would expect a lot of little... You know, peak Rich Rod zone read, shuffle run, fun stuff, and... uh the portals hit UTEP hard, man. It's just hard to have some faith and conviction in what uh, Dana Dibble's done there, and he's done some good work at, at one of the hardest jobs. So I will, uh, I will take, uh, I will take Jacksonville State and look forward to watching them many Tuesdays in October on your Walt Disney Family of Networks. Very good. Uh, not going to get a bad word out of me about Rich Rod. Uh, always been a class act to me. I also uh, looking at this. You mentioned the roster, the coaching staff. I mean. The fact that old coach Trickett is back on the sidelines, <laughs> give me all of the Jacksonville State. Like, I, I want that so much. Like, those guys – you talk about guys that just love ball and and just really want to do the best. They're going to find – I mean, you mentioned the portal. Finding opportunities for guys, being at Jacksonville State, making this jump. Like, I, I'm always going to find a place in my heart for those guys. So, yeah, I'm biased towards Coach Richrod and, 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 uh, and Coach Trickett, so – Give me Jacksonville State. I'm with you guys for most of the same reasons. And also because, look, he built a a really good FCS program there. And now they're making the transition up. And it's their first year in the transition, I believe. A lot of places have them picked to finish last in Conference USA. But, you know, we saw James Madison have some early success in the transition. And I think you might see at least, uh, maybe not to that degree, but at least some success from them. I'll go with... um, I'll go with Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks over the University of Texas of L intercepted Paso, which was a problem last year, by the way. They had like a dozen, a dozen turnovers. We got the possibly the best game on the board here. Ohio at San Diego State. San Diego State, a two and a half point favorite. That is at 7 p.m. Eastern. Let's go, Steve Reese Pete. Uh, I'm going to go with the Aztecs. Uh, they really improved things. I mean, they were abysmal to start the year, but they moved Lindley uh, to to offensive coordinator, who's their former quarterback. Uh, their quarterback goes for, I think it was 2,000 yards in the final eight and eight and change games. Uh, Maxion, 
going out west. Not sure how that's going to transpire, uh, but I'm confident. I think San Diego State has a legit shot. Uh, they got a brutal lot of conference starting with this game. Uh, UCLA, I think Oregon State also on the schedule, uh, but I think the Aztecs will be up for it uh, in this one. I'm going to lay the lay the points and take the Aztecs. That's my inclination, but you know, with the MAC Offensive Player of the Year coming back, and every now and then. Uh, the Mac finds a way to surprise. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. a contrarian pick, but I'm going to go with with Curtis Rourke and the Bobcats, who I believe the authority Pete Thamel just recently broke, has been named the starting quarterback. Is that correct, Pete? You did break that? That is, and he is ahead of schedule, according to those. And the practice reports from Athens, the Athens we really care about in this game, uh, have, <laughs> have been that he looks uh, he looks sharp. His brother Nathan uh, had that big dance that went viral for your Jacksonville Jaguars, Reese, which I'm sure you remember. He, I'm glad, yes, and I, I was pleased to uh, to see that he is uh, making his presence felt with our Jags and making himself at home in Duval or St. John's, as the case may be. And, you know, so let's keep it in the Rourke family. I'm going to go with the Bobcats uh, to, to pull the upset over San Diego State. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching this game. I do think uh, I agree with uh, our fearless producer, Taylor, that is the best game of week zero. I just think this game comes down to physics, right? And Brady Hoke builds big mauling rosters, and I just think they will be able to wear down and eventually cover um, against uh, against Ohio. Uh, Jalen Maiden, the converted safety, who uh, Steve mentioned, yep. you went to quarterback last year and, uh, and, and really made an impression. He's made a big leap from what I've heard. Um, you know, spring, summer, et cetera. When you're not playing safety, it probably helps develop as a quarterback. So uh, I think Lindley will give the offense a little more juice. Maybe Brady will take his hands off a little. Brady calls the game like a D-line coach sometimes, you know what I mean? Manages the game like a D-line coach. I think, yeah, I think the Aztecs just are a higher class and that'll allow them to win this game by touchdown. Next up, UMass at New Mexico State. New Mexico State, a six and a half point favorite. Whew, what a titillating one. 7.05 Eastern is your kickoff time. Let's go Reese, Pete, Steve. This is an easy pick. You go with New Mexico State because Jerry Kill is back, right? I mean, he, he got them to a winning record a season ago. Um, you know, they went in. Remember what they did to Liberty last yeah. year late in the season? They beat them by a thousand. Uh, so I, I think this is, I'm no gambling expert. I think this is pretty easy money to take the Aggies against, uh, one of the struggling teams in, at the highest level of college football, and you have New Mexico State, figure they'll be sound, be a quintessential Jerry Kill type team in terms of philosophy. And I'm going to go with New Mexico State and lay the lay the touchdown. I'm disappointed, Reese. You missed an opportunity to give Avon Old Farms a plug because I believe UMass's quarterback is uh, is Clemson and Georgia Tech transfer Tayson Pumachon. Pumachon. Yeah. Avon Old Farms, correct? Correct. Avon Old Farms. Finest yeah. boys' school on the planet. Yeah, this is one of the things you're going to get introduced to, Steve. Is gratuitous Avon Old Farms. Uh, you know, nothing gratuitous when mentioning Avon <laughs> Old Farms. <laughs> Nico Regali, right? Isn't he an Avon? Regani, yes. Regani, sorry, yeah. Nico Regani, one of the many injured Iowa receivers from last year. Um, his return was hailed as a game day advertisement for, uh, for Avon Old Farms. <laughs> <laughs> you, should um, see, you should see the gear I got out of that deal. Yeah, 
Good for you, man. Good for you. I bet they have like nice Peter Millar zip ups at Avon Old Farms. <laughs> Not a lot of Riddell rolling around that campus. Uh, I uh, I'm going to take New Mexico State, man. I, I I agree completely with Reese. I thought the number was weird. This is our ESPN primetime game. Uh, I'm going to be dialed in on it, but I just think. Jerry Kill literally made a miracle last year. The guy knows how to manage a roster. Yep. Uh, they have a great defense. Nate Dryling, the D.C., is one of the better young D.C.s in the country. I just think – I will believe UMass can score when they score, and they haven't scored in like five years. So I hope Tayshon can work some magic, but I'm going to believe it when I see it. Yeah, it, uh, E1, 7 o'clock. Herbie yeah. and Fowler got this one? <laughs> I hope so. I, I think they might still be warming up, but I, I don't I don't know. I'm not <laughs> okay. sure about that. I, I'm just checking. Uh, yeah, the travel here, Las Cruces. I think UMass – might be in a possible look-ahead spot as they go to Auburn in week <laughs> one. So, uh, Coach Don Brown, love him. Uh, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm taking the Aggies at home. What Jerry Kill did last year. I mean, yeah. just going back and thinking about – I watched it a couple of days. Just the press conference, you know, playing Minnesota and everybody trying to get him, just not taking the bait, being a class act. Um, I, I just – I appreciate the guys so much. Every Easy guy to root for. Aggies, minus the points. Hawaii headed to Nashville facing Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt a 17.5 point favorite. That's at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go Pete, Steve, Reese. Yeah, I'm I'm generally a, a believer in Vanderbilt, uh, just continuing to ascend. We talked about it on the SEC podcast a little bit earlier this week, and I can't get out of my mind looking at that 17.5, the way Vanderbilt just wiped the floor with Hawaii last year. I mean, they absolutely annihilated them. It was 63-10. to 10. Uh, Michael Wright was still the starting quarterback at the time, and I think he ran for 867 yards in that game, if memory serves right. Like, he just he just looked up and he was running for – I thought that would have been a decent game last year. Like, going in, I was like, oh, you know, Timmy Chang's debut would be home. Vanderbilt, you know, a lot of unknowns. They'd, they'd obviously had a rough start. So, I see no reason. I think Vanderbilt is a class up from what they were last year, growing, building, kind of staying sound. And I still think Hawaii has a lot to a lot to figure out. Um, and there's a lot. Look, picking week zero and week one games is hard in college football, man. These rosters have so many new guys on it. There's so little continuity. I just uh, I can't see a case where if Hawaii was 53 points worse, so it takes 17. Like it just doesn't make sense that they could. They're three touchdowns better than they were last year. You have Swan starting at quarterback. For I do. Andy? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure that. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think it's a class. Um, this is pretty pathetic, but I will be all eyes on this game because I need to get a self-scout for the Rainbow Warriors as Stanford heads to the island in week one. So I will <laughs> be locked in on this game. Uh, I'm with you. I, I It was brutal. I mean, you talk about brutal situations with Jerry Kill. Timmy Chang had no chance last year. And by the end of the year, he had something going. I mean, they were in games a hell of a lot better than they were in this. I think it's a class of – of rosters in what Vanderbilt has done. They've done it for, you know, from the bottom and building up. Uh, so I, I think they have a, a huge advantage. This is another one. I really want to see uh, the total uh, with the clock thing and all that. We know what Hawaii wants to do. I think Vandy's going to see a huge advantage and throw the ball. Also, the the issue I've heard out of Nashville is just the idea of who are their, what are their best case scenarios uh, in the secondary knowing what they're up against uh, in the conference. So I'm going I, – I, I like the over in this game. On a side, I'm going to lean and, t- and lay the points with Vandy at home. Is there any update? Uh, do we have a ca- live camera on that stadium? Unbelievable plot like, line. 
unbelievable. Doesn't plot look line. like it's gonna. It's going I was, to. It looks like us three are out there trying yeah. to get the old and they are hail, uh, <laughs> hammer and nail going. I mean, good gracious! I yeah. mean, what that, what what happened to the bastion of academia? They can't come up with some engineers to get that thing, uh, get that thing pointed in the right direction in the stadium. Seven hundred million plus in renovations, which my secret theory there is, you know what? We haven't been invested for a while. We've been eating at the trough in the SEC for free. We better show them we're serious here. No doubt. You know? yeah. And I and I really feel like that's uh, when when you when you see the 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 blimp camera angle of this game, and you're like, that's weird. Why are they doing that? Why is it like that? It's like, well, we want to make sure that we show we're committed and can control our controllable. Now that shows that they are as smart as advertised because I promise not to take us down this rabbit hole. I'm not for this, but I think what is going to happen over the, I don't know, 10 years or so, maybe sooner, is that you're going to start asking why, why do schools like Vanderbilt, why are we giving them $50 million? You know, Indiana, uh, Rutgers, you know, people who, um, you know, who aren't, maybe that attractive why do they get a cut of this and maybe that's the next round of realignment now i don't root for that because i'm a traditionalist and i like the nostalgia Mm -hmm. but i think it's a great point pete vanderbilt maybe sees that coming down the road and they want to show that they're committed in football they've certainly had great success in, in other sports most notably baseball but they want to show that they want to be in this and you know that's probably the best way to do it Luckily, Steve contributed so much to the Stanford endowment that they can go to the ACC for free. So <laughs> they, I didn't think that was going to be brought up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good tax write-off, Steve. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, one more rabbit hole. Steve, when a school like Stanford calls you, and I'm going to channel my inner John Mulaney here, when they, when they call you and you know they've got $47 billion or whatever it is in their endowment, and they go, hello, Steve, this is college. Send us your money. What do you say to them? Uh, I ask who's calling, and they say college, and it's a uh, hang-up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you, I, Pete knows this. I love John Mulaney, the comedian. Oh. And he has that bit about, I thought our arrangement ended. You know, <laughs> you know I, I paid you. There you was supposedly, a time limit on that one. You know, he supposedly educated me, you know, and then he goes into the whole thing about, you know, blacking out and partying. And I thought our arrangement had ended, you know. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> anyway, another way to show that you're serious about football is to lay the 17 and a half and laugh, which is which I'm going to do with mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. Mentioned the way that Mike Wright ran wild. He's now hoping to someday run wild in Starkville as he's moved on. But A.J. Swan, as Steve had mentioned, is, is the guy there. We talked on the SEC preview podcast. They've got some dynamic receivers mm-hmm. um, at Vanderbilt, too. They've got some high-end speed guys. Uh, I think Vanderbilt wins this game easily, so I'm going to lay the mm-hmm. 17 and a half. Next up, San Jose State at USC. USC, a 30.5-point favorite. That game kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern. Only available on the Pac-12 network. Interesting business decision. Wonderful workout for them. Let's go Steve (laughs) Reese Pete. (laughs) How about Taylor coming in with the one-liner and the the people's elbow? (laughs) Saving it for for the end here. Uh, Yeah, Pac-12 network, I believe, also did not even televise the USC athletic director 
press conference, which tells you where the priorities are there. Um, Listen, well, there's but the big did the I, Big Ten Network maybe they should have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great hire, by the way. Great hire, yes, no doubt. Um, I, I look at this. Uh, you know, I do have the app, uh, so I will be watching this one. Uh, I'm one of the few, but I, I, there's a lot for me to see. I want to see USC. That you know, he made a you know Lincoln's made a a, a big stink or a big, a lot of mentions about how. His time when he was with the team last year was mostly with the offense because there was so much going on with the program, and that when he was there, that's what he needed to do. And now he said he's taking more more time and looking at the defense. You look at what they've done through the portal uh, and getting guys that you know are coming from big schools, but as far as difference makers, we'll see. Now that they're going to line up, you know, every week uh, with with enormous expectations. Not worried about the offense. I will say, I think San Jose State and, and Brett Brennan will be able to move the ball and, and, and score. I, I think it's a high score. I think SC scores 50. I could see San Jose State scoring 20. Um, I, I like the over in this game. Uh, Cordero's a, a proven quarterback. We mentioned Hawaii. That's where he came from. Showed improvements last year. I'm going to take San Jose State plus the 30 and a half. I'm, I'm tempted to do that as well. Uh, because of Chevin Cordero and the fact that uh, Brennan is a is a good offensive coach, USC is unproven on defense. They, if you'll recall, last year in the opener, they stomped uh, Rice, but they, but also they, they, three, they, pick they have three pick sixes in the game. <laughs> I believe there's going to be a regression to the mean in terms of those turnovers. I mean, they're plus twenty two last year, and then they scored on a ton of them, and not mm-hmm. just in that in that Rice game. I think they'll be better on defense. Yeah. Um, yeah, they can't really be worse in missed tackles. And as far as, you know, I mean, I think Lincoln's a terrific coach, but I mean, his Oklahoma teams weren't ever necessarily noted for having stalwart defenses. So, mm-hmm. you know, some were better than others, but I, I don't know how much I buy into that narrative that he didn't, you know, didn't give the same type of attention to it. I mean, this is this is Alex Grinch's defense. That's the way his staff has always been structured. The defensive mm-hmm. guy runs the defense, and that's not a knock. Every a lot of people do that. I mean, heck, Nick Saban, his offensive guy within certain parameters runs the offense. That's the way it is. So I don't know that I buy that. That will be the reason they'll be improved, but I think they will. And I think with that guy thirteen back at quarterback and all of those receivers, and they're going to want to get loose. They're going to want to put up the number. I think for a while that it's going to look like a fool's errand that I took USC to cover. And then at the end, I I get the feeling they'll tack a couple more on, and I I feel like a 56, you know, 21 game later, 63, 28 late sort of gives them the, gives them the cover. So I'll take, I'll take USC and lay the gargantuan number. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take the Trojans as well. Uh, all respect to Chevin Cordero and Brent Brennan. I believe Chevin Cordero came off the bench to beat a Kevin Sumlin, Arizona team in week zero, uh, back in, uh, might've been the COVID year. So Chevin, Chevin Cordero has been around. He's a good quarterback. Um, that was when he was at Hawaii. I I just think Lincoln Riley historically does not take his foot off the gas. Mm. And there is also a, a, an interesting backup quarterback 
matchup there because I think we'll get into that. Uh, Miller Moss, uh, accomplished West Coast quarterback. Malachi Nelson, number one prospect in the country ahead of Arch Manning. Um, so I think they're going to want those guys to get some live reps, especially because Caleb Williams runs a lot and has, you know, had injuries and had moments. So I do think like they're not going to go in the fetal position, not the way Lincoln coaches, and they want to see some of these guys live. There, there's a lot of depth at receiver. So your twos don't look like normal twos, but any case for USC, and I did pick them to go to the playoff. So feel okay. free to, feel free to mock, uh, feel free to mock later lies on their defense and it can't be worse. Uh, Mason Cobb, huge upgrade. They were a terrible tackling team. Eric Gentry had some health issues both last yeah. year and in camp. So uh, if I was a wise investor, I would wait to see what, what, what Eric Gentry's status is. Um, and then I'm excited to see Tackett Curtis, freshman linebacker, who's been a beast. Um, he could be really the next great Trojan defender, along with Kalen Bullock, who's probably a top 40 NFL guy. So the personnel couldn't get much worse on defense. You bring in Bear Alexander, you bring in Kyan Bars, like, Every you know, every guy up front is a transfer. So it's just saying you know they're gonna confident they're gonna be good uh is is probably a bit of a lark. But saying you're confident they can't be any worse, I think is fair. So I think the combination of the obvious firepower they're gonna bring, like I'd be surprised if they don't have a five in front of the number. Correct. And so I would I would think then then it becomes like how much resistance do they put up? So I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Trojans by thirty five. Last one of the day, FIU at Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech an 11-point favorite. That kicks off at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go Reese, Pete, Steve. There will be, I presume, though I haven't, I haven't seen the official news, but I think there will be a Hank Bachmeyer sighting in this game, the former Boise State quarterback who's at Louisiana Tech. Sonny Cumbie, the coach there now, against Mike McIntyre, if you lost track of the former Colorado coach, who's yeah. the – Head coach at FIU. I'm gonna I'm gonna say with Bachmeyer, Cumbie, I don't like don't like laying the points in these early games, but home crowd, big offense, experienced quarterback, unless Pete shoots me down and tells me Bachmeyer has lost the competition and I'm not aware Hank won the of job. it. Hank won the uh, job. Okay, he won the job. I'm I'm gonna take the Bulldogs and say that that they are rejoicing in Ruston with a with a cover on opening night. I'm 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 not going to go against Hank. Uh, he has brothers named Bear, Tiger, and Buck, including one who is a Stanford uh, Cardinal. I believe yep. it's Bear, right? Is a receiver, yes. freshman receiver. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Is it Tiger or Bear? Tiger. I think it's Tiger, Tiger is the receiver. Tiger Tiger Bear is the quarterback who's been offered by Notre Dame, Alabama, Correct. and everybody else. So, yeah. um, a lot of Bachmeyer lineage, a lot of optimism I've heard out of uh, out of out of Ruston in this camp and how he looks in the air raid. Hank Bachmeyer isn't going to blow you away with his size, but he's like intangible to the nines. I think he graduated as the all-time touchdown passing leader in California high school football. Like he's just a efficient, prolific guy in a system. I think that's going to highlight him. LaTeX always got dudes at receiver um, just because guys want to go there and, and catch a lot of balls. So I think they can, they can wear down, uh, they can wear down FIU and, and, and push over the goal line here. It's funny. I look at this game and I, I think about the games coming up guys that we have that, you know, the off season we talk about, it, it feels like these matchups of Louisiana South, you know, Houston, Texas against the state of Florida. When we got LSU going to Orlando to play Florida State, A&M going to Miami, like who has the worst humidity and who's <laughs> going to be the better conditioned team? Like this is hot beyond hot. 
And now that it's in Ruston, uh, I, I listen, I, I saw Bachmeyer won the job. I haven't dove in all the way on, on FIU. Uh, I saw the, you know, the Miami Vice uniforms coming out. I don't <laughs> think they're wearing them this, this game uh, blindly just to maybe try and catch one in the standings. I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to take the points with the Panthers. You, you think they can go into Joe IA Stadium and waltz out with a waltz out with a cover do you just just a little just keep it closer to the number we're not asking for a big upset just 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 hang in there that's all and the thing the thing is you know what I'm really I'm really fired up about is the text chain that will be going on oh. during the FIU Louisiana Tech game and I don't even mean I don't even mean the Typical chop busting over. You pick this team, haha! They're getting beat. It's going to be us talking about watching football, which is correct. Which is going to be, which is going to be big fun. Perfect. And I, I actually, I actually have an engagement that night, so I'm actually going to record that and then go back and watch right. it. From the start. No spoilers. No, he's already put it out there, Pete. No spoilers. All right. No, no, I don't. Text, no, right? no. That that's a spoiler <laughs> exception. If you want to let me know that old Hank has spun the magic bean and Louisiana Tech has an early touchdown, I'm good. Uh, right. I'll be good. I'll be good with that. It's just Hank being Hank, Reese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boys, that was fun. Good picks there, hopefully. Uh, remember, kids at home, this is purely for entertainment purposes. So it's a great David Letterman once said, please, no wagering, unless that's <laughs> what you like to do for fun. Uh, Steve, it's been great, man. Enjoy having you on. Look forward to this being a weekly occurrence and also very excited about you joining the College Game Day uh, crew on the road every Saturday morning. Do you, have you Have you had a look at your – at what your setup is going to be yet we, there's been a lot of debate about this and I, I've been involved in this to some degree I'm still getting over the look of our director uh Ileano Reese you know with the shit last time he was working on Van Pelt show he had hair and regular frame glasses <laughs> and now he's gone shaved head and orange frame glasses like I don't know that seems like very very optimistic play for the foreign former orange man that he is I will say I will say this about him. I I admire his steadfastness because he was with he was with Billis and me on basketball and I really hadn't worked with him that much mm-hmm. over the years until then and we gave him untold amounts of grief about the orange specs. So I yeah. wondered when, you know, when he moved over to join us this year in football. I thought I wonder if he will ditch the orange glasses. No, he did not. No, I saw. The orange glasses live on. I- I do expect uh, him to be more buttoned up from his uh, previous successor, Mr. Perez. Well, I, I'll just I'll just go out the <laughs> oh, and man. say that. that. That's all. No, hey, let me tell you something. That guy, <laughs> Rodney Perez, is who we're talking about, a legendary, uh, legendary of all director of, of College Game Day. Uh, you know what? Pete loves it when we go story time with Uncle Reese right here. We were um, – we were doing a bit years ago on campus at UCLA. Rodney was the uh, Rodney Perez, great director, was the director for uh, for the College Game Day basketball. This is show. the this is the Billis in the tuxedo. Billis in a tuxedo, right? coming in a in a red carpet type thing. Well, some of the people at UCLA, not official administration people, but just on campus type people, started getting upset because the carpet was red because more closely aligned with USC. And so the guy started telling Rodney and Bill is standing there being helpful as ever, of course, um, saying, we don't allow red on this campus. So, you know, it has to be a blue carpet. And Bill has said, that car's red. <laughs>
that guy's wearing a red shirt. You know, meanwhile, the guy and Rodney are still arguing with Billis finding breaks in the conversation to chime in and go, there goes a red car. Oh, look, that person has red hair. You know, just kind of <laughs> make, making it worse and worse and worse. And the guy keeps saying, you can't put down this red carpet. To which Rodney Perez then responded, you do not dictate content to ESPN. And that became, <laughs> that became a catchphrase. And virtually every Saturday morning for all the years that I worked with Rodney, one of us would say to the other one, let's dictate some content, brother. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, so good. He's a beauty. And Joe will, uh, do, Joe will do great. We look forward to having, him, having him on as, as well. So, all right, boys, nicely done. Thank you for listening to the week zero edition of the College Game Day podcast. Thanks for downloading it. If you haven't seen the Kirby Smart interview yet, it's still out there on YouTube. Look back at a previous episode. Great half hour talk with the top dog at Georgia. You can download this podcast wherever it is you prefer to get your podcast. We'll talk next week. Bye.